Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Deeper Still, a podcast where we carve out space for meaningful conversation about God and life as we seek to pay attention to the ways he calls us to go deeper still in relationship with him and with one another. My name is Sue Ann Camfield. I have the joy of being the host of this podcast, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. You know, I know not everyone listens to this podcast or any podcast right when it's published, but as I sit in our studio here in the western suburbs of Chicago, I just have to confess, it's the first week of September. It is beautiful outside. We are starting to feel a little bit of the fall coming upon us. But we also know that summer is kind of starting to wind down, vacations are over, kids are back in school. And what that means for church life is we are starting to get back into a little more normal rhythm for our staff and for our people. And it's just exciting to see. The building is buzzing with people, programs are starting to ramp back up. We as a staff team are starting to anticipate what God has for us over the next few months and what he has for our local church context and our community as well. And I know so many of you, maybe you go here to Christ Church, maybe you have your own local church, but I hope and I pray that you are starting to enter that season as well. You are starting to wondering what God maybe has for you and has for your community. So I thought it would be a great idea to kick off our fall season by bringing back a recurring guest, one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite humans in general, and that is our lead pastor here at Christ Church, Dan Meyer. Dan has been serving as the pastor at Christ Church for 27 years, shepherding and guiding the people God has entrusted to him with grace and care. He is a gifted communicator, he's an author, he's the president of Fuller Theological Seminary, but as you will hear him say in our conversation today, he is just like the rest of us. He is continuing to be shaped and molded into the person God has created him to be in a world that feels like it's getting infinitely more complex. Do you resonate with that? I know Dan and I both do, and so we're just going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus in a complex world. And Dan is pretty honest about where he finds joy in that, where he finds challenges in that, especially as he leads in the church today. We're also going to talk a little bit about how the book of Exodus, which is the topic for our 10-week sermon series that is kicking off this week, can be a helpful guide through all that we are navigating today. So friends, whatever you're doing, wherever you find yourself, saddle up, settle in, and listen in as Dan and I go deeper still. Well, welcome, Dan, to Deeper Still. It's so glad to have you here today. I'm glad to be back. I, you know, you, you gave me a second chance at this, so I really appreciate it. <laughs> this is actually, I think, your third chance. I was going back through my list of guests, and I think I think there's maybe only one other guest I've had on three times. I won't say who it is. Uh-huh. A former colleague of yours who now is a pastor at another church. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, she who we delight in naming <laughs> normally. That's right, <laughs> yeah. we do. Our dear friend, Tara Beth Leach. Uh, so you now, I think, are my other guest that has been here uh, three times. Wow. So I 
I appreciate that so much. Yeah, even though I can't remember it. I know it's been one of the highlights of my life. I'm sure it has been. So much so that you remember every detail. (laughs) Well, in all honesty, I know how valuable your time is. It's actually why I don't ask you uh, very often because I know when I do ask you, it needs to be for good reason because um, your time is so valuable and you give it to so many people and you give it so generously and graciously. So I definitely don't take it for granted that you are here today. I'm I'm honored. Great to be back. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons that I'm excited to have this conversation is because I was reflecting over kind of the last several months of guests that I have had, and Mm -hmm. it's been a mix of uh, some really beautiful, wonderful guests who have broad reach and broad influence. And, you know, I thought you can go on to just about any podcast and listen to geez, today, right? Just about anyone you want to listen to. And one of the things I so appreciate about you is you are one of those people as well. And yet you're so committed to your local church context Mm -hmm. and to our body here. And one of the reasons I'm excited about our conversation today is because we're going to kind of ebb and flow through um, some of those things we're thinking about on a broader scale in the life of the church with a capital C. But also there's just something really beautiful about having your pastor of your local church speak to his or her congregation in their local setting. Hmm. And I just, I'm really excited about that today. Well, thank you. Thrilled to have the chance to do it. Yeah. Hope somebody's paying attention. (laughs) We'll see. I hope somebody (laughs) out there is listening, as I know they will be. Um, Well, Dan, you just uh, had a little bit of a break this summer. I don't know if you would call it a break. I'm saying that, so my word's not yours. But you uh, got to have some time to change up your rhythm, be out of the office a little bit. So tell us a little bit about what the summer has looked like for you, what August looked like for you, and what are some of those highlights? Yeah, so so I know people sometimes will say to me, I understand you going on sabbatical in (laughs) August, and I think they picture I'm going to the south of Spain or someplace (laughs) wonderful. Usually about half of it is just doing the things that are sort of under the radar in my ministry that I don't get enough time for. Mm -hmm. So I did some some praying, some researching, some planning for the fall that was really helpful. But I did get away and and did one of those sort of classic road trip summers that a lot of families do. I drove through something like uh, 10 different states along the way. Uh, we had a chance to check in on uh, two of our boys this summer, which was great. We were with Cole and Heather, our middle child and his wife, up in their new home in Ann Arbor and helping them with the renovation project of their house. We visited with our son, Rush, who works in the construction business in the Boston area and catch a glimpse into the incredible work that he does and sort of walk away going, Wow, that kid turned out really great, <laughs> and he and he really impressed us. Uh, I visited with my mom quite a bit too. Uh, I spent uh, four or five days on one of those really secluded loon lakes in outback Maine, with like barely indoor plumbing, and and just enjoyed some time staring at the lake and the mountains and the trees, which was very very sweet. Saw two of my uh, of my brothers. Spent time with my sister. Uh, played a round of golf with my 88-year-old dad, ate lobster with my wonderful stepmother. Um, and it was just a really, really rich family time. Mm-hmm. And uh, along the way, visited just about every truck stop in America, <laughs> which was pretty wild. Uh, but, but all in all, a, a great, great time of family. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I love that, and it's so important. You know, you have to be intentional about taking that time away to have that time and step away because there's always a million things we could be doing, and sometimes you just got to get in the car or get on the plane and just go, and you never regret those times. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I often think that that it's especially important for – people who are occupying leadership positions, whether it's in a, a home or a business or an organization or even a local church to do it, because so much of the value that we bring to those settings comes, ironically, from leaving those settings. <laughs> you know, I mean, leaders are, are valued in any context because they can organize things and they can cast a vision and they can solve problems and all those things. But it feels to me, at least in my journey, that that the quality with which I do those things is directly related to whether I have been able with some regularity to step back from the fray, uh, to, to get some, um, some distance enough to give me um, fresh insight on the situation, to develop some more practical wisdom to bring back to that circle, and probably most importantly, to find a place of deeper peace I feel like a lot of the times in all the different leadership roles of my life, it's the anxiety that I bring to the situation, consciously or unconsciously, that limits the value that I can bring in those settings. So taking a break like this, getting away, being out in nature, this is an important part of, I think, of, of refreshing the soul and the, and the, the vision that we need for, for the daily stuff of life. Yeah, and I think people, it's so easy to underestimate those things because we think, oh, but we're not being productive. We're not getting anything done, right? And, And that can create a certain level of anxiety on us as well when you step away to think, but these are the things that aren't going to happen. But so much more good happens when we're able to pull away. And I love that you didn't just point to kind of some of those, the outer pieces of maybe you get more clarity, but the inner piece. I've not really thought about that as much, but that's so true to come in as a less anxious presence than when you left. Yeah, I agree with you. I do think that, that anxiety is the great disease of our time. I think we're constantly being pumped up um, made to feel more fearful and concerned and worried about everything and everyone. And so these breaks help to restore our sanity to mm-hmm. some extent. And, and, and then from that wellspring, we can bring a greater value to the people and situations we enter. Yeah, I had a similar experience this summer. I um, had not planned on uh, taking a, a trip I was, Eric, my husband Eric, was um, out west, and I had not planned on going to see him out in Colorado, and Mm -hmm. I was at 4th of July week, I was home, the kids both had their own plans, they kind of just left me high and dry. Imagine that, yeah. (laughs) I know, they they tend to do that as they get older, and uh, Sadie, my daughter, said, Mom, why don't you you just go see Dad? (laughs) And I thought, oh. I actually, I actually could do that. And so it was 4th of July. The next morning, I booked a flight to go out to Buena Vista, Colorado and spent four days with him. And then we road tripped home together. And I was like, I can't believe I was considering not doing that Hmm. even for a moment, because as soon as I got there and we, you know, we were in this beautiful lodge and overlooking the mountains and just space and time and creation. Yeah. Um, my Bible, some good coffee. I mm. mean, it just was was just glorious. And I thought, I need to remember yeah. that I can't not do this. Yeah, 
That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And let me give you formal permission to do that. <laughs> I, I also love Eric, so I, I'm happy to see you guys out there together. So. I had ulterior motives in saying that to you. More permission. More. I just got a uh, week added to my vacation time. Awesome. Go for it. <laughs> you know, Dan, one of the things we have been talking about as a church leadership team is what are we about, right? What are we about as a church? I mean, that's something you know what we're about as a church. We know what we're about, but we're kind of always asking, how do we say this in a way? How do we speak into our current culture, our current context in a way that is meaningful, that resonates with people? And in those conversations, one of the phrases that has come up for us is um, that we really want to be a church that helps people follow Jesus in a complex world. And it's a phrase we've talked about internally. We're starting to talk about it a little more externally. We've got it on our website. If people listen, now Mm. they're going to listen. If they listen, they'll hear it in some of our sermons and some of our worship context. But I would love to give you the opportunity to just talk to a minute about why does that resonate? Why is it important to help people follow Jesus in a complex world today? Yeah, thank you. I, I really do think the follow Jesus part is the accent. I think that in any kind of world or any kind of situation of life, uh, his footsteps are marking out a creative pathway. So I want to keep that. It's not just a marketing slogan. I think it's it's the core of what we're about mm-hmm. is helping people find the blessing of his companionship along the way uh, and, and the companionship of other people also on that journey. But it does feel like we're living in a pretty complex world, and I doubt I think uh, I need to convince any of our listeners of that reality if they just look at their uh, at their daily schedule and their and the list of to dos that that are ra- uh, rallying up around them. Um, I do think that that part of the challenge for us is to is to figure out ways of um, of dealing with what I what feels to me like an unprecedented set of conditions that human beings are under that didn't exist. Uh, up until very recently. And if you're a native of this situation, right, you, if you, this is all you've ever known. If you were born in, in 1985, um, you just think, well, this is the water we all swim in, and, we, and there's no other water that we could swim in. Uh, you're far too young to, <laughs> to know what I'm about to say. But you're very gracious. There, you. <laughs> there, was, there was another time. Uh, and uh, not to say it was a necessarily better time. It had its own challenges. But I remember when I first went into pastoral work, and the year was 1985, um, I certainly felt like I was challenged by life. There were demands from work and relationships. Um, But there were a lot of things that were not the same as they are today. There was no email, for example. when, when people communicated with you, it was a telephone call or it was a letter, and it was often a handwritten letter, and they didn't expect to get an immediate reply from you. And I remember my first day on this job here, which was you know, many years later, 1997, and there were only six pieces of actual mail, physical mail, sitting on my desk. And I had leisurely time to sort of think about how I wanted to respond to the, to the communication and then send it out. There was no cable television at that time, um, much less all this on-demand video. And that meant that pretty much everybody I knew was watching the same shows. We only, you know, you've heard this, it's been kind of worn out now, but how few channels there were and 
but but because we were all sort of in the same media space together, we developed common culture. And even if we had other differences, this was sort of shared shared space for us. Think how hard it is to find that people are watching exactly the same shows today, um, even though they're they're they're. There are some that still connect us. News was actually news. Uh, it wasn't uh, an ideological platform or ranting. It was, it was just kind of a little bit of, of a more dispassionate kind of presentation of what had happened during the day. A large number of families, not everybody, but a lot of families still hung around the dinner table together on a regular basis. There were no youth sports on Sunday morning when I started ministry. The Sundays were protected by the culture as a place where maybe if you were not religiously oriented, you just slept in, but it was a time to rest. And for many of us, it was a time when we went to, to worship. And the iPhone and social media wouldn't come along for another 20 years. So I, wow. I, I, I lived for 20 years in ministry without all of that. And... Um, if life feels a little bit more complex today, um, I think that's a reality. I don't think we're imagining that. It has gotten so much faster. Life has gotten so much more fragmented. It's become more angry, more demanding, more exhausting than it, than it has been at many other points in human history. And again, I'm not being Pollyanna about that. There, there are always issues in every single time. But I do think it's part of why a church, a local church, is an, it's an important place. It's an important kind of community because it is amidst all of, the, of that insanity that we're living in and coming to think is normal. Um, it is a place where we slow down, where we quiet down, where we're invited to go deep in relationships, where we're called to, to think about God's voice and try and listen for that in, in our own lives. And to give it priority over all the other voices and the noises that are out there. And, and, it, and I think there's a lot of research these days that, that confirm that what gives people hope, and I think we're, we're, in, we're in a time of history where we just need hope, uh, is, a, is to have a sense of um, identity, belonging, and purpose. Or as some people have said it, a sense of um, mattering a sense of being part of a larger story than ourselves, and, and a sense of, of vocation or calling that can carry us through all the different situations of life. And this is what church does. This is what the gospel of Jesus Christ is really about. It's inviting us into that bigger circle of community and purpose. And um, so I think in a, in a complex world, it, it's great to, to be part of a church that's trying to follow Jesus together. Yeah, and you know, it's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy to navigate those waters. We don't do it perfectly. We mm-hmm. we also are trying to navigate the same waters that yeah. often yeah. we are trying to lead people in. Yep. And so there's a space where where y- these realities you're talking about aren't just the realities for the people out there. Oh, there are realities in your own life that you are navigating at the same time. You're asking yourself, yeah. How do I follow Jesus? Yeah. And it's a never-ending um, question for all of us it who is. follow Jesus to say, how do I keep my eyes focused? How do I turn my eyes to the hills yeah. and ask, Lord, where does my help come from? And yeah. know that it comes from him in the midst of this ever-changing, fragmented world. That's definitely true. You know, the old adage, put, put the air mask on first before trying to help other people. And I do think that 
particularly in the life of the church or anybody that's playing a helping role anywhere, in a home, in a business, any other setting, you, just, you do have to attend to, to the way you're attending to yourself and to your growth and to your connection with God. And that is going to set you up to be a much more effective helper of others. Mm-hmm. I've said it over the last couple months. I think it's just something that's been on my mind. So I, I feel like I've brought it up in just about every podcast of this idea of um, congruency for especially mm-hmm. leaders, for pastors, but really for all of us who call ourselves followers of Christ, that there needs to be a certain level of congruency between how we live our lives and what we say we believe. And so I, I think what you're saying about taking the time, even how we started the conversation, with taking time away yeah. so that you can center yourself, so that you can get, um, you know, experience that peace in your soul and kind of Amen. come back, put on your oxygen mask, yes. as you just said in a way that allows us to continue to be the kind of people, you know, we don't want to just follow Jesus in a complex world and lead other people. We want to be the kind of people who follow Jesus in a complex world. And and that's a, it's a tall order, not just for leaders in the church. It's a tall order for anyone who's following Jesus today. It, it is definitely the case. And I think we're grappling a lot now and you're, you'll get a chance to see it with your staff colleagues with um, the muchness of life and how we find these breaks, these, these times of, uh, to step back. Um, you know, some people will, will sometimes talk about the kind of the wacky way that, that pastors are navigating. And so there's been such a dropout of pastors in our time. I think that's been much documented also, that people have been leaving, leaving the ministry quite a bit. Um, and I don't want to overplay that because I think there's so much about being a pastor that is so much fun <laughs> and such a privilege, and you get this kind of amazing chance to walk on the holy ground with people. But there are some things that have changed, it feels to me, that, that has made it more difficult. We're getting much less regular time with people than we used to, and the whole spiritual life is about um, the, the good things that happen when we spend time together. People are coming to their local church less frequently than, than ever before uh, and, and feeling like I'm still connected, but it's not with the kind of consistency that it used to be. There's a much higher expectation these days, um, I think, that gets enforced by the media culture and by the, the whole consumer culture of our times that, that, that you know, church needs to be a service organization, needs to serve me, it needs to communicate with me in this particular way. And of course, we have a heart to do that, but it, it takes a lot of energy to keep doing that and to keep evolving those standards as the culture evolves them. And, and we're living in a period of time when there's, there, it feels like there's less openness to hearing a different point of view, where there's a tendency perhaps to, if somebody doesn't line up with my frame or my way of saying or seeing things, then I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to either walk away or I'm going to... I'm going to lash out, and again, that is being patterned for us in the ideological um, channels of our time. And um, and so, being as a pastor, there, you know, you you do you do begin to feel sometimes that um, there's a little bit more criticism than ever before, and more harshness in the way the criticism is delivered than before. Um, I sometimes take that strangely as 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 a healthy sign in some ways because i think people tend to vent their anxiety their stress their anger on safe people (laughs) and i hope that as pastors uh, we are safe people Uh, but i do know that for for many people in 
in pastoral ministry or church ministry, um, you know, it, it, it wears on you and, again, reminds you of your need to step back from time to time and, and, and get that fresh air in those Colorado mountains like you did. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I think that's that's a really, you know, you have, you've been doing this for a season. You know, you've been here at Christ Church for 20, is it 27 years? Did I? 27. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Which is um, unique in and of itself, I think, for pastors to stay mm. at the same local church for such a, a long period of time. And yeah. I would imagine that's getting more and more unique as time goes on. And I, I always, uh, maybe I've asked you this before, but I do wonder what keeps you, what keeps you excited? What keeps you, um, you know, getting out of bed every day and, and serving and, and just faithfully doing what God has called you to do in this place? I just, I have never stopped liking the, what I would call the basics of Christian ministry. Uh, and probably the most basic piece of it is just being with the people that God loves and, and trying to help them experience that love more deeply. And so for me, I, I genuinely do look forward to coming to work because I, first, I love the staff, teammates that I get to work with. Um, I love the people of this congregation. I like the differences between them, I like watching their unique minds turn. I like watching the the special way each of them brings gifts to what they do and and the joy they take in using those gifts. I like walking with people through the the various passages and even the pain points of life. I feel again so honored to be able to be on that kind of journey and and if I can in some small way help people find uh the grace of God that is greater than the gravity of life, then then that is a very joyful experience for me. So uh, that that still excites me. I'm I'm excited about this ch- season in the life of our whole church, uh, not just my own individual part of that. Um, it feels like we're in a really good period of resurgence as a community of faith. It feels like over the last couple of years we've gotten a more uh, multi-faced. And, and energetic as a people. Uh, I'm really excited about the work that we're doing now with and for the sake of families. You know, the disabilities ministry we're starting, the, the, the groundwork we're laying for the rebirth of our preschool, the plans that are afoot now to renovate the, the spaces where our children and our teenagers learn about Jesus and grow in fellowship with each other. We've got some exciting stuff happening in rethinking how we're going to care for the older members of our congregation. All kinds of exciting stuff happening with uh, the mission partnerships we support through giving and through volunteership. And uh, it just feels like we are, we're a church that is, is now not just being lifted by God's grace, but also helping to lift other people in some fresh ways. And it's really neat to be around for that. Mm-hmm. I do, you know, I feel that. I experience it, I, I feel it. Um, you know, I, I have told people, my family and I have been here for 
I think we've been here for 17 years now, which is just mind-boggling. <laughs> and you're to only me. 19. <laughs> I yeah, I, I know, keep getting younger. I don't know how this happens. <laughs> um, mind-boggling to me. But I, I think of the, you know, we've seen this church as, you know, um, I've been on staff for six and a half years, maybe, but I've volunteered in every position in every capacity. I've been married to a pastor at this church, yeah. and so we've seen it through a lot of ups and downs and. I really have never been more excited to be part of this church, huh, and, and right. I've always loved this church. You know, I, I've not had bad seasons in this church, and I do feel like there is something God is on the move yeah. in a unique way. I can feel it. I can feel it when I come to work. You know, we interview um, people who are interested in coming to work here, and they always say, "What do you like about working here?" And we look around the table at each other and we say. We love working together. And I said, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's uh, there there are not days where I get up and go, man, I have to go to work today. Shoot, you know, it's <laughs> it's such a gift right now, and I do feel like the spirit is is just moving in it in a way that I can't quite name right now, mm. but something is happening in the life of this church. I I, I pray that that's not our delusion because <laughs> it does feel that way to me too, and I pray for that for other churches. You know, I, I think you can't have enough great local churches mm-hmm. and it 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 never um, leaves my prayer list to pray for all of the other congregations and the other leaders out there who um, may may be facing challenges at a at another level than I even I, than we're seeing here um, but I do I do believe that God is not done you know growing up healthy local churches to be blessings mm-hmm. in their community mm-hmm. absolutely may it be so yeah, yeah absolutely well, and you've got me thinking a little bit too. Is is we're talking about this in a? I'm looking at your face. I see the excitement yeah. and the joy on your face, and I think I'm. My face is reflecting that yeah. back to you as we're yeah. talking about it. But it doesn't take away the fact that everything you said about this being a complex world right now yeah. is also true. In some ways, it's harder to do ministry. It's harder to be the church, maybe in some ways, than it ever has been before at this point in history. Yeah. And so it's interesting to just, as we're having this conversation, I'm kind of holding those two things one hand and the other yeah. and thinking, you know, it is interesting because it is complex and it is difficult. And yet, God's grace is yeah. still there. And yet, the hope of Jesus still prevails over all of these things. I do think, and you're getting to something that I think needs to be said out loud, I don't think that um, that the solution is um, going to be found in just in the in the leaders of local churches um, doing it more and better. I do think it it that the hope for the greatest um, blessing comes from the people of of church of churches investing in their relationship, following Jesus in intentional ways. I really think that we are up against a level of noise in our society, and you've spoken about that in the past, that is is so loud and so insistent that if the people of the church don't make some changes, and this is true for us too as, as pastoral leaders, they don't make certain kinds of changes. They will not be able to hear the voice of Jesus or, or really follow after him. So I don't know all of what is involved in in pushing back against that, but I do think we have to um, purposely turn down the volume on on the the noise coming our way from from the voices of the world. Mm-hmm. Whether that is, uh, I talked to somebody recently who says I just never pick up my phone before nine o'clock in the morning. I 
always make, I, I've stopped putting it by my bedside. I don't let myself ever look at that screen because it just yanks me into a frame of mind and anxiety that I cannot escape from. And so I would rather spend my time in quiet or in exercise or walk in, in, out in the world during the, the early morning. Um, making commitment to just having a no screens day or a no screens night uh, at, at least uh, once a week. Um, devoting ourselves to spending really deep time with, with individuals uh, and locking on them and not allowing the distractions or our inner anxiety to, to, to pull us away from them. These are kind of the ways that we rebel against the, the noise of the world and, and do the kinds of things that Jesus called for. You think how often we see that pattern in his life uh, where he's um, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to spend some deep time with you today, Zacchaeus. Let's just, go, let's just do lunch together. Or uh, I want you to stop working today, Martha. I want, I want you just to sit and, and really listen uh, for my voice. Uh, or, or to his disciples so often when they had been caught up in the fray for too long. Let's go, let's go away together and let's just spend some quiet time. So I think to follow Jesus in a complex world means doing some things that reduce the complexity, mm. reduce the noise, and allow us to really hear his voice. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thankful that you made that distinction because probably anybody in today's culture, regardless of if you're a follower of Jesus or not, would say you need to dial down the noise. Yeah. Like it's just when you look at, as you mentioned earlier, the anxiety levels, the depression levels, and how those are linked to so much of the noise that's happening in our culture today. Yes. Anyone, the Surgeon General says, turn down the noise. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? But as as followers of Jesus, again, I love that you're saying, yeah, that's all good for your soul, and those are good things. But also, and the real reason that we want to turn down the noise as followers of Jesus is so that we can hear his voice. Mm. We can we can go where he's calling us. We can actually do his work and be the kind of people that he calls us to be in the noisy world. Yes. Not just so that we have a quieter world. Well said. Mm. I'm, I'm all with you on that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you should I, write a book uh, about that. <laughs> should we, we should say more about that. I, I get very excited about that kind of thing because I just feel like it's it's really easy for people who sit in American churches today, especially, and just think if I just try a little harder to be a better person and do the right things, that's what's going to bring me life and hope. Yeah. And you know, sometimes there's a little bit of truth in that, but the only life and hope we have really is in the death and resurrection of, of Jesus, our Lord. And so I think when we don't get all the way there, as yes. you said, we just need to say out loud what we're saying. Yeah. And I think sometimes in, in today's world, especially we're afraid to name the so that, yes. but that's really the, um, you know, it's not just so we can have kind of, you know, add a few years to our lives yeah. and, and um, maybe, you know, die in peace one day. It, um, it isn't an anxiety management strategy, the gospel right. of Jesus. Mm. It's not. It, it, that can be one of the fruits mm. of pursuing the way of Jesus. But the way of Jesus, the joy of the way of Jesus is knowing him and, and, and allowing his life to fill our life and then watching what he does through our lives in the lives of other people. Mm. Nobody will ever be sorry at the end of the journey that they followed Jesus more, that they made changes in their lives in order to follow him much more deeply. And I do think that we have a tendency to think that we can just infinitely add stuff to our life. But there are some disciplines of disengagement that are needed in order to, pr to freshly prioritize mm. an engagement with Jesus. 
That's so good. And I think we just need to give each other permission more and more. It's good that we're saying it out loud because I think we need to give each other permission more and more to to create that space and to be those kind of people. So thanks for thanks for saying that. Well, Dan, um, it's funny. We just said create space, and now I'm going to say, hey, there's so many exciting things happening in the life of Christ Church right now. It's fall kickoff. All our groups are coming back on. All the things that people need to do. So I recognize that as yeah, I'm, I'm the irony this. of that. <laughs> the yeah. irony of that. I didn't time my questions very well. Um, but we are excited in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be kicking off a new sermon series that's based on the book of Exodus and the life of Moses. Yeah. And uh, it is called Wild. Mm. And so I'm wondering, especially for people in our local context, or if you're listening and don't have a church home or want to check us out online, you can hear these messages in the weeks to come. But give us a little preview of what this fall is going to be about. Yeah, well, it's going to be wild. It's going to try to be wild. <laughs> you know, I think there is a reason why uh, the book of Exodus and the story of the God of Exodus um, is getting the kind of attention today. And if it's not obvious, actually it is. It's, we're see, it's seeing a whole new refreshed level of, of uh, publishing, of, of sermon series around the country we've noticed. Um, there's something about this particular story that is remarkably relevant for our time. And I think some of it has to do with the fact that it, it, it pictures the rather wild and unpredictable journey that life really is. We have this fantasy that somehow we can make it predictable, we can control it, we can tame it. But it's the story of of a God that meets people in, through, in spite of, and sometimes um, for the very purpose of helping them in the midst of the craziness of life. And so we're going to hear some amazing stories from Scripture. We're going to suddenly realize how much of the best things of our world have been shaped by the story that is there in the book of Exodus. And I, and I would just reiterate what you said in a moment ago, and that is, even if this isn't your regular church home, maybe on your, uh, in your space time, maybe as part of your devotions, tune in now and then to the messages in this series, because it's going to be immensely practical for, for life in the world today. So I'm, I'm really jazzed. I can't imagine a, a series we've done in, a, in recent times that I've been more thrilled about jumping into. Mm, that's really exciting. Do you want to say anything particular, I'm putting you on the spot now, yeah. uh, about Moses and how I know we're going to be looking at his life throughout yes. this and how he kind of can guide us yeah. in his character and his person yeah. through this as well. Well, one of the, fir- the first sermon in the series I'm going to be preaching this Sunday is entitled Basket Case. Mm. <laughs> it has a little double entendre there mm. if you know the story of Moses. But in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's actually it's a pretty good way of describing him. He is, he is an unlikely hero on, on some levels. He's a complicated guy. Talk about living in a complex world. He lived in a complex character. He's a person that, that went through such an incredible variety of life experiences, from the throne room to, the, to running for his life, hiding in the wilderness. Um, and all of the experiences that Moses has over the course of time as he learns to submit them and open them to God, become used. There's nothing wasted. The painful times, um, the failures, uh, the times when he just didn't understand, all of these things work together in God's providence to make Moses a, a magnificent vessel of God's providence in the lives of other people. So. Um, 
I'm really thrilled about helping reintroduce people to this amazing character, and I'm not alone in this. We're going to have a great team of teachers that are doing this. You're one of them. Uh, but I think everybody's going to really enjoy this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's been a while since we've covered that ground, and I think um, it's always remarkable how God's Word stands the test of time <laughs> and the sense that, you know, you can put it in different contexts, and it just speaks, and it, yeah. it speaks to exactly where we're at, and it's uh, not only a helpful guide for people, but it really is the living, active Word of God Amen. that can transform us. And so I'm very excited for that. I'm I'm glad we're doing a little longer sermon series. I know we always talk about how long can people hang in there with us, but I think this is a good um, training ground and a good place for to just keep kind of at the same story and let people really sit with it and let it simmer and you know, hopefully people will read the text on their own and really dive in with us because I think that will only um, enhance everyone's experience as a community where, like you said, not everybody might be watching the same TV shows, yeah. but if we're all yeah. we're all in, in this the story same together, Bible maybe story. this will be the common ground that we create because we're all in the same story at least. And this truly really is true. I mean, there was a time even somewhat non-religious people were still immersed and bathed in Scripture. The culture was, uh, it was part of the primer of, of of our culture in ways that gave people a common way of understanding life. Some of the great themes of life arose out of the scripture. I'll talk a little bit about that on this coming mm. Sunday as well. So we hope more people will come and join us in this great yeah. story. Well, we can't wait. I yeah. can't wait to hear, especially yeah. now. I was already excited, and now I'm <laughs> yeah. even even more excited. Um, Dan, as you continue to uh, shape your own soul and to just kind of fill your own mind and imagination with different things, what what kinds of things are you reading? What are you listening to? What is what is shaping you right now? I just want to recommend the Deeper Still podcast. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's really Done. awesome. It's core. It's core to my spiritual development. Um, uh, gosh, that's a great question. Um, I've just recently finished with a study group, and now am doing it with a second study group. A wonderful book by John Mark Comer called Garden City. It's a theology of work, rest, and the art of being human. And uh, as somebody that studied the Bible for a very long time, I thought I had mined everything there was to find in the book of Genesis and Revelation, and I was wrong. <laughs> and, and Comer in this book really unpacks um, the way God set up life, the way God wants life to work in such vivid terms and drawing right from the pages of Scripture and applying them very much to day-to-day life. And so I found that really a very helpful book and, and recommend it to others. I read also um, in the last couple of months a book by an author named Arthur Brooks, not to be confused with David Brooks, though I gather they know each other pretty well. But Arthur Brooks wrote a book called From Strength to Strength, that, and I can't remember the subtitle, but I, it's something about finding happiness in the last part of life. Um, this is a book in which Brooks talks about these two major arcs that human beings move through in the course of their life's journey. And the first arc being what he calls the arc of our fluid intelligence, the time when we're, when we're most innovative, most capable of breakthrough thinking, have the most energy to change and develop things. And then there's a second arc, which he calls the arc of our crystallized intelligence, which is the season of mentoring and wisdom. And uh, I have found that really provocative uh, in terms of thinking about what is 
what is God's calling to me in this season of my life? How do I spend my energies most effectively? Which of those arcs do I need to be to be on? And I would say that typically somebody in my in my era of life it needs to be leaning into that second arc of of deeper relationships and and investments in individuals at a dif- different kind of level than 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 trying to shape major institutions. Um, so that's been a, a great source. Somebody recently turned me on to uh, the value of um, biopics or biopics on, <laughs> on musical, on music groups. Wow, this <laughs> so, is really, you are very, I, we have a lot of breadth here <laughs> of what you're sharing. So I watched a great documentary on the Bee Gees. Oh. I watched another one on the Beach Boys. Uh, I think it most, many people have seen the one on Queen. I mean, but I really have loved those, not only because I've enjoyed the music uh, reprise, but because of just what an incredible picture they are of of the strange confluence of, of genius and talent with, with the, the flaws of, of human nature. And, and it's been a great reminder to me that at the end of the day, the greatest uh, success and wealth is not so much um, power or the extra house, it's, it's the quality of the relationships you have. And th- that message comes through again and again in these uh, in these stories of these amazing rock artists. Mm. So, yeah, it's been interesting. When you read something or watch something that moves you like that and your brain gets going, what do you do with that? Do you journal? Do you talk to other people about it? Do you go for a walk and think? Uh, you know, I, I'm a promoter, so things that I'm, that I'm jazzed up about, I often say, hey, you might think about this, or I'll find a way of working into a sermon. Uh, you've heard me do it with staff devotions. I've suggested some of these same ideas. I find it hard to keep to myself the things that I found so helpful and transforming. And I suppose that's a, that really is what evangelism or Christian witness is about in its best form. It's just taking the thing that's been uh, life transforming for you and trying to share it with other people in the hope that, that it will be for them too. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And I love that this is such an eclectic kind of um, group of things you've been sharing, Mm. because it's also a reminder that, you know, sometimes we get stuck in reading or learning about one thing, but Mm -hmm. the the gift of curiosity and and pulling from all these different streams and seeing how God kind of weaves them all together to teach us something about the human soul, about the human life, about... Um, you know, our own lives and all of the things. And so I appreciate that about you. And just even this list, I think, is I'm kind of chuckling a little bit because (laughs) I'm a documentary um, kind of uh, nerd. Oh, are you? Oh, my gosh. I'm right now on a kick of watching all the sports documentaries. And so I'm going down a list of lots of different um, docuseries right now that are all um, athletic focused and it's just I I, that, I just find them very curious that's on my next list yeah <laughs> do, it. do it I'm learning all kinds of new things about all kinds of sports that I've never been engaged with before and now I feel like oh I either want to do this watch this or now I you know I feel like I could be a go be a pro tennis player now that I've been watching Breakpoint. So I don't know. (laughs) Well, um, Dan, I appreciate you sharing those things. We are about out of time, but uh, I ask one question to everybody that comes on the Mm -hmm. show and, you know, it's called Deeper Still and it's called Deeper Still because uh, we have this belief here that um, we've been talking about it this whole time that 
God is never done with us. Yeah. You know, sometimes we can get to a point in our lives where we think, oh, I, I kind of have this figured out. Like, oh, I kind of, you know, I got this. And then God goes, mm, no, I got to push you a little deeper. I'm going to challenge you. And yeah. then we get to a place where we think, oh, now I'm where God wants me. And he goes, no, I'm going to actually call <laughs> you deeper still. And so uh, I ask everyone who comes on the show, what is a place in your life, in your current cir- circumstances, where God maybe is calling you to go deeper still? I wish that more people asked that question of each other. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, and that's, and it's not the only question that can be asked, but it's a great question. I was away last week in a sort of retreat setting with a group of four other men, and one of the guys at the table asked a variant on that very same question. You know, what is it that God is calling to you, calling you to now, in a, in a deeper kind of way? And I had to sit back and think about it, and then an answer arose in my thinking that I was totally ambushed by. I did not, I would never have um, thought this was what was going on, but as it came to my mind, I realized this is exactly what's, what the call is for me right now. And that is to face the reality of my mortality at a deeper level than I ever have. Um, I know you're looking at Ouch. me. You're, you're looking at me yeah, with furrowed brow. Um, I have, I have, th- I have been running away from this. I think it's been growing in me in the last year. Um, but I think God wants me to ponder the vulnerability and the fragility of my life and of life in general at a much deeper level than I, than I ever have. And I've preached about this. You know, I've talked a lot with people about. I've stood at a lot of gravesides and done the funerals and counseled with people. Um, but this subject is coming home to me in a deep, deeper way. As I've shared with the congregation from the pulpit and with friends in the church in various ways, we're in a, a fairly intense period as a family of facing mortality issues. Um, I have a, uh, parents who are in their late 80s, a familiar scenario for so many of us in life. I have a sister-in-law who was in her early 40s with a two-year-old and a six-year-old. Uh, she has brain cancer. Um, they, they did as much surgical removal of it as they could. Um, it has started to grow again. She's, she's, she's battling it. She's fortunately in a good moment in, in the journey right now, but that's a reality. I have a 27-year-old niece who, whose heart suddenly failed this spring and had to have a heart transplant and is now living with a very much more fragile uh, condition as she goes forward in life. My sister, Lisa, who's a little bit younger than I am, has got lupus and was in the hospital all this past week. My brother, Jeff, uh, at the very sort of top of his life and top of his game, a federal judge, early 60s, was diagnosed this past spring with lymphoma. He went through all this chemotherapy, seven rounds of it, the cancer grew. It didn't go backwards. So I, it, I, I can talk a lot about um, the reality of human mortality and the hope of Christ um, with other people, but when it hits your family, it, it, just, it just roots itself in a very different way. I, I'm going to guess that there are people who are listening into this podcast who are in that place. And... Um, they're dealing with illness or they're dealing with death or the specter of it in, in ways that are very, very um, hard. Uh, 
And um, so this has sort of reawoken some passions in me or taking me, I think, to some deeper places in, in terms of wrestling with this. Um, we're, we're all going to break down, right? The, the mortality rate is still at 100%. <laughs> the human condition is, is, is such. And we do so much to push this reality away from us. And I'm feeling like I'm called to deal with that reality um, in a way that makes some kind of difference, not just to me, but to the people that I work with. So what's the difference? How do you make the difference this is what I'm wrestling with right now. Um, I'm thinking that a deep, at a deeper level, I, I don't want to deny it or gloss over it or, or just joke about that condition. I think I need to be more present to my family than I have been. So I've started to build my schedule now to try and get time with my family members in a, in a further way than I would normally do. I, I, I need to be more present, I think, to my own body uh, as I have been and not just think that you know, death is going to make an exception with me. Mm -hmm. I need to be caring for this, this frame that I have. I need to treasure more uh, each moment with people. I need to value more the succulences, the sweet savory stuff of life um, and, and make space for that. I need to make sure I'm not wasting all of my energy and my attention span on trivial pursuits. This is why I think turning down the noise and, and, and living them in, the more, in the more primary spaces of relationship and nature and all those things is really important. I need to let go of dumb grievances and forgive more. Uh, I need to get much more focused on, on loving well and living gratefully uh, in the days to come. Forever, and I hope I have a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but I, de I need to be about that business and take, I think, finally, I need to take joy from the very real promise, the promise that I'm holding fast to, that Jesus makes all things new one day and that this mortality is part of the... Of, a it's a season of, of our soul, mm -hmm. uh, but that there's hope even in the face of it because of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you being honest and vulnerable. And, um, and by the way, I'm feeling great. <laughs> Just in case anyone's worried. Dan's <laughs> fine, don't this worry. This is not a secret way of yeah, preparing people for anything. Yeah. No, but it does, it does uh, you know, just help you sit back and reflect. And we need those times in our lives at all our stages to be yeah. able to do that. And again, to hold the hope of Jesus, you know, to end with that joy and hope of, of knowing whose we are yeah. and knowing who he is and um, being able to hold on to that regardless yeah. of, of what's happening around us. So thanks for being that kind of person. Thanks for being the kind of leader who leads us uh, mm. to follow Jesus in a complex world. Uh, I appreciate you. I know so many listening. I appreciate you. We're excited about the sermon series and just um, getting to see more of how God is leading you in the days to come. Thanks, Hope, hope you'll invite me back a fourth time. <laughs> fourth time, you got <laughs> <Okay>. it. <laughs> well, friends, so much good food for thought today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And I hope you gleaned a few things that may be helpful to your own soul as you seek to follow Jesus in a complex world. If you want to catch Dan's message or want to learn about any of the fun and new things we have going on at Christ Church, be sure to visit us at Christchurch.us. 
As always, if you don't have a church home, we would love to welcome you here. Stop by to either of our campuses for a visit, or you can always check us out online first. But we would love to meet you, and we would love to help you get connected in any way we can. Of course, if you haven't subscribed to Deeper Still on your favorite podcast platform, be sure to do that as well and invite a friend along for the journey. We'll be back in two weeks with another great conversation. I'll be interviewing Casey Tigret about his new book, The Gift of Restlessness, a spirituality for unsettled seasons. I do hope you'll stop back. It's going to be a great conversation. Until then, pay attention to the places God is calling you to go deeper still and go in His grace. Mm-hmm.